everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Haunted houses. It's getting to be that season, isn't it? Where you can pay to be chased, to scream, to be scared. Personally, I love them. But I'm curious, would I love them so much if I'd actually lived in a haunted house myself? I'm not sure. Probably not. Because there's something about asking for it, requesting to be scared. It allows you to also simultaneously feel safe. Whereas at home, my home, that's supposed to be the safe space. I'm not asking for anything there, except maybe some peace. And so I'm certainly not expecting someone or something to jump out at me, to chase me. I feel for people whose homes have been shared with spirits, and I'm fascinated by their experiences, the good and the bad. Lucky for us, there's no shortage when it comes to either. So, let's get started, shall we? This story goes back to when I was 14 years old. I lived with my grandparents, but had regular visitation with my mom. My mom and I were on good terms, and summer was coming up. She planned a small family get-together on a weekend that I would be at her house. I was super excited for this because I could see my cousins and relatives from that side of the family for the weekend, and I'd spend the rest of the week with my mom. The first day went great. We went mudding and got messy and had a good time all together. When nighttime came, things cooled down a bit and we decided we would watch a movie. So we watched a movie about greasers and it had a character named Pony Boy in it. I know the name of the movie, but I can't think of it at the moment. The Outsiders. Anyway, it was not a scary film. Bedtime hits. I struggle with insomnia, and I stayed up later than most of the people staying over that night. When I finally went to bed, I heard a knocking on the bedroom door. Yeah? Hey, it's Mike. Come to the kitchen. The problem with this whole scenario is that my Uncle Mike was in the house, and he had a thick country accent. This voice sounded like it was trying badly to fake that accent. No, I'm trying to get some sleep. I'm making a cake, and I left you a knife to cut it with. This didn't make any sense to me at all, so I opened the door and I said, I'm not cutting a damn cake at 1 a.m. There was no one there, but there was a large knife by the door. For some reason, I assumed Mike was joking with me, so I put the knife in the kitchen, and I got the strangest onset of fight or flight. So I ran. I ran into a room my cousin was sleeping in because he was three or four years older than me, and I just acted on instinct. When I ran into the room, the door was shut. I opened it, closed it, 
and locked it. I woke him up and I tried to explain what was up, but he sort of just tossed over and said that I could sleep with him in his bed. I was scared, and I remember seeing that it was 1.34 a.m. at this point. Mr. Lonely was playing, and a pale blue light was on in the room. The next morning comes. My aunt asks me why I was knocking on their bedroom door, asking her to come to the kitchen. I tell her I wasn't. She asks why my cousin's door was open with the lights on at 2 a.m. I tell her I ran in and I closed the door and I locked it at 1.30 a.m., but that there was only a blue nightlight on. She tells me that it's not what she saw. She said she saw the door completely open, the lights on, and could hear talking coming from the room. When I asked why her husband Mike was knocking at my door at 1 a.m., she said Mike went to work at midnight, and he didn't come back until 6 a.m. We all got suspicious, and we took a flip phone around, asking questions, and got audio captured saying, I am Mike, and I'm still here. Very clearly. We didn't hear it when we asked it, but we heard it in the recording. I don't know what happened that night, but it never happened again, to my knowledge, and I worry thinking about it. I grew up in an area that used to be a Potawatomi Sioux and a French fur trading village. This history is relevant. Outside of town, just down the road from my grandma's house, was a clearing in the woods, on top of a hill right near a spring. When I was a kid, my dad chose to situate a single-story, ranch-style prefab house in that clearing, and we moved into it when I was maybe 12 or 13 years old. The weirdness started right away. Within a few days of moving in, we were all watching a movie in the living room. We heard a loud bang, like a gunshot, in the kitchen. When we went to see if something had fallen over, nothing was out of place. Then came the silhouettes that would walk behind us in our reflections, always in the kitchen windows. After that came the footsteps on the roof, always after midnight, pacing slowly from one end of the house to the other, like someone keeping watch. I think I was the only person who ever heard those, since everyone was usually asleep by then. Sometimes, I would go out onto the back porch to see if anyone was up there, but of course, there never was. Finally, it all came to a head when I was 16. It was late, and I was shutting everything down for the night, turning off all the lights room by room as I headed to my bedroom. I stopped in the kitchen just long enough to get a cup of water, and then I turned off that light. At this point, only the hallway light and my bedroom light were on. I was taking a drink as I headed into the dining room, and when I lowered the cup, I saw a person standing in front of me, and I stopped. It was another girl who looked about my age. 
She had long blonde hair that was wild and messy, like she'd just rolled out of bed and come running. She was wearing a dingy, whitish, Civil War-era nightgown, and she had blue eyes that were open wide in sheer terror. I don't know if she was looking at me or at someone who had once been standing in that exact same spot, but she clearly saw someone or something that terrified her. Then I blinked, and she was gone. Some years later, after I'd half forgotten about the incident, I was reading up on my hometown's history. I'd already known that the Padawanami village, site of a former Padawanami Indian village, has been on the town's billboard for longer than I can remember. But I hadn't known about the French traders, nor had I known that after the Civil War, indigenous people and French folk alike were rounded up and forcibly relocated by the U.S. Army so the land could be seized by the government and redistributed to the soldiers as payment for their service during the war. And I thought about our convenient little clearing in the woods and the footsteps on the roof in the middle of the night and the shadows and the gunshot and the girl and I couldn't help but wonder. I was 18 at the time and my best friend and I had just gotten back to my place after a rave. It was about 3 a.m. We came into the house very quiet as I was still living with my dad at the time. We were just hanging out in my room when we hear someone screaming. So I peek out the window to see what the hell's going on as the screaming was extremely guttural. I see a woman wearing a big white t-shirt with her hair over her face, screaming and walking down the block with no shoes. I usher my friend to look. We just look at each other, wide-eyed, observing. She then grabs the sign for the public pool nearby and starts aggressively shaking it and continues to scream. We considered if she needed help, but for real, this woman straight up looked like the grudge and sounded like a witch from Left for Dead. We were scared as hell. She eventually leaves the sign crooked and walks off. This freaked both of us out at the time since we were pretty young. So, we did nothing, and I didn't want to wake up my dad and get in trouble. Now, at 28, I wonder if she needed help, or if she was from the psychiatric hospital nearby. I recently decided to make a new start changed professions, and became a teacher. I moved out to a small town to pay less rent and to eat organic, all of that stuff. I'm in my mid-thirties and realized living in a capital city is financial madness. Been here for about a month and a half. My wife and I were living at her parents' house until we moved to a small one-bedroom apartment at the back of a garage. It's pretty sweet. 
I know that the walk to the school I work at is about 15 minutes tops. But two days ago, I went to walk to work, and it was my first time from this apartment. Given that I'm new to the town, I took out my Google Maps, and I went for it. I had 30 minutes to get there, and as I walked towards it, I saw a route that would be five minutes faster. Once I took it, 15 minutes jumped to 20. And then as I walked towards the school, the more time increased. At 27 minutes, I stopped and called an Uber. I was a 15-minute drive from work. Fair enough, it seems like I just got lost, right? Then, talking to the admin lady that follows up with our system for attendance, she told me that she once took a wrong turn here, and it took her three hours to find her way back. Not only that, she described the same houses that I did, and how none of us at the school knew what neighborhood that was. In a town that has three supermarkets and mostly hardware stores and two drive throughs it's a bizarre experience. All of the houses were white with nice hedges. It's odd since it's a rural area with houses that look nothing like that. Now the thing that's got me so weird about it, it makes no sense how a 15 minute walk, I ended up 45 minutes from my house in the next town and more than 30 minutes from work. I walked for 17 minutes. The majority of my paranormal experiences were in my childhood home, although a few notable ones happened after, outside the home, in the same area. For context, I've since moved out of my childhood home as I'm an adult now, but I believe my childhood home was haunted, mainly due to the environment, the circumstances. There's a creek running through the neighborhood, lots of telephone poles, so the energy currents are strong there. Some people believe that ghosts can manifest easier when in areas of high energy currents. So, a few anecdotes from my childhood home. When I was about four years old, I recall playing with my brother in the hallway of my home. It was a long hall that led to the bathrooms and bedrooms. We were playing something akin to tag, but with an element of hide-and-seek. So we ran up and down the hall a few times, and the last time I was running up to his room, which was the last door of the hallway. He laughed and closed the door behind him. I suddenly stopped and thought that I'd hit the door and bounced back. I looked up, and I saw a giant toad. I thought that was odd. It didn't register as anything malevolent. Maybe it protected me from the door impact. As odd as it is that most people don't seem to interact with nature spirits, this time I did. What's more is that much later in life, I asked my brother if he remembered the giant toad spirit that day. He said he did. He also didn't like talking about it, so I didn't clarify. But it's my first memorable paranormal experience. My paranormal experiences ramped up as a teenager. 
My father was an abusive alcoholic. As is standard in that situation, there was a lot of yelling, etc. And it led to a lot of negative energy. I noticed as a result that more negative entities would come through my house. There was never a resident ghost, only passerbys. A few of note include, one, I'd come home from school to find an imp-like creature, very small, that attached itself to my ankle. I was honestly just annoyed at it, and I wanted it off of me. At some point, I shook it off, told it to go away. I don't think it came inside my house, but it sure liked hanging around. One day, I found that the ghost of a young man, probably late 20s or early 30s, had found his way into my room. It hung out in the corner of my room. I was creeped out by this, especially because I could tell it wanted something, but it had a hard time communicating. Day two or three of this, I decided to take a selfie on my laptop and purposely aimed it so the corner would be in view. I wanted to see if anything would come up. Of a few takes, one of them did capture something. I confirmed what I'd been sensing and faintly seeing. There was a face in the corner, smiling for the camera as well. My heart sank. I didn't know what to do. Believing that the picture would imprint its stay even longer, I deleted it. Day four, I finally felt sorry for it. I asked it to go away politely. I couldn't help him, and I didn't want him in my room anymore. Surprisingly, it actually went away within a few seconds. I felt the air get lighter, and I didn't see or hear from that ghost again. I wonder if it needed a message to be passed along, or if it just needed guidance to move on. But I was a teenager. What could I do for it? When I was about 16 or 17, my family dog passed away. I'd had her since I was little, so she was definitely part of the family and was treated well throughout her life. She was an old girl, maybe 13, I think. She had terminal lung cancer. The day came where she could barely move anymore, and we called the vet to put her down at home so she could go peacefully. After the vet left, we had an at-home funeral for our dog, and we buried her with her favorite blanket and toys. My dad and my brother buried her, and me and my mom did something akin to a eulogy. It was when they were burying her that I sensed her spirit peeking around the corner of the house. I motioned her to come here, and she came quickly to my hand. I patted her quietly while no one else was watching. It was weird, I'm sure, for her to see us sad and burying her body. Later, we were inside the house. I saw my dog's spirit sitting next to my mom, who was crying on the couch. Her paw was on the couch next to my mom, as if she was saying, It's okay, to my mom. Later, I told my mom what I saw. She told me that she thought she'd felt our dog's presence and me saying what I saw confirmed it for her. Afterwards, for a few years left in that house, 
I would occasionally hear my dog's paw steps, and I'd feel a dog's presence when there were no dogs living nearby. I did eventually get another dog, and occasionally she, another girl dog, would look at the doors weird, like someone was there. And also, she'd hear dog noises and want to find the other dog. I'm very certain that my childhood dog stuck around for a while after her passing. I have since moved out of the house, as I mentioned before, but I hope my dog moved on by now, too. This one is kind of weird. For a short while, I had sleep paralysis issues at about 15 years old. Now, I know the theories on what we see and experience in this state are hallucinations, since the body is confused on being awake versus asleep. So take this one as you will. I, however, believe that this particular instance was paranormal-related. This time felt different than the other sleep paralysis episodes. Essentially, I was sleeping, and I had a deep dream. It was one of those dreams within a dream type of thing. I don't remember how I got there, but I do remember towards the end of this dream, I'd come to a giant iron cell door, as if it was locking away a prisoner. I peeked inside through the sliding peephole, like you see in prison doors, and I saw a pale, white, skinny humanoid. Think similar to Gollum of Lord of the Rings, but more of a menacing feeling and totally bald. It saw me and jumped at the peephole, which scared me awake. I was awake briefly, and I swear I heard an entity whisper in my ear, feeling their breath and vibrations from their voice. Go back to sleep. I did and it felt like I got pulled all the way back into a deep dream state. Right back to the cell door. But whatever this thing was, they wanted out. They wanted me to help it. I sensed danger. I had this feeling that if it got out, it would possess my body. So I woke right back up. But of course, my body was still in sleep paralysis, being that it's hard to go to that deep sleep and to be functional. So, I was awake. It was about 6 a.m., and I'm paralyzed. I feel as if something is sitting on me and isn't letting me up, which I'm told is somewhat common and is rationalized by the body being in a depressed state. However, I feel this pressure, whatever whispered to me, it's on me, and I feel like it's staring me down, just waiting for me to go back to sleep. I fight it, though. I stay awake, just looking around the room. I can't reach a light switch since my body still won't move, but I do notice the time, and I realize that the sun will come up soon. For some reason, my instincts tell me that with light, this thing will go away. And about 15 or 30 minutes later, the sun does rise. The sunlight comes through my window. And with that, the entity leaves. And I regain my bodily senses. Of all the sleep paralysis episodes, this one was different. In that I felt 
someone talk to me in my ear after I woke up. That's not normal. I felt a presence on me, staring at me. And I happened to regain control of my body. The pressure was lifted once the light had filled my room. Normally, I'd regain control of my body between five and ten minutes after waking up, regardless if the sun came up or not. And while I felt my body depressed, it did not usually feel like someone was sitting on me. Therefore, I believe this one counts as a paranormal experience. Okay, one more. Once, my mother and I were in the house by ourselves. We'd recently sold the house and we were cleaning it up for the new owners. It was very empty and was starting to get dark outside. I started to get a panicky feeling. One of those get-out-now feelings. So I started urging my mother to finish up what she was doing and continue another time. I didn't want to freak her out. So I just insisted that we leave without knowing exactly why. I look over in the direction of the living room from the kitchen, and I see this black mass of negative energy. It's overwhelming. If I were to describe it, it looked similar to the big bogged-down river spirit and spirited away. The one that collected a bunch of stuff in it and got all gunky and gross. The one here reminded me of that, but instead of collecting junk, it collected negative energy. I froze for a second as I processed what the heck I just saw. At this point, night was falling, and the sun was hardly out anymore. We had to use our flashlights and our phones to see. I told my mom, we need to go. It's dark, and I don't feel safe. Finally. She was willing to leave, and as we were leaving, I saw the black mass again, leaving the house and going around to the backyard. My mom didn't see the creature, but she did say she felt a presence. She just ignored it as she was focused on finishing the kitchen. So now, as a young adult, I've had a handful of interesting experiences as well outside of that home. I lived temporarily with my then-boyfriend, now-husband, in an apartment shared by a co-worker of his and her boyfriend. I was in the apartment alone one day, and I got a weird feeling looking at the door to the room that wasn't used. I thought I heard noises and felt a presence, but I couldn't confirm. Later that week, I was home alone again, but this time... I looked at the bathroom door from my bedroom and I saw a full-bodied apparition of a young woman in white. She looked just as shocked as I did seeing her. She retreated to the other side of the bathroom wall, the empty, unused room. So finally, I ask my boyfriend's co-worker if someone died in the apartment and I tell her about the apparition I saw of a young woman. She told me yes, her name is Diana. She died in that room about a month before we moved in. My heart sank for Diana. The co-worker told me that Diana had passed away suddenly in her room, I think from health complications. The co-worker was a bit freaked out and didn't know what to do about it. So later, 
I don't know if it was that night or the next day. I was in my room while my boyfriend and his coworker were at work. I decided to just talk to Diana out loud. I couldn't see her this time, but I felt her presence. I talked to her like a person, realizing she might not have even realized she died since it was a sudden death. I told her that she had died and that she needed to move on. I told her I felt sad for her, that she was stuck, and I hoped that she can find the light. Shortly after that, I didn't feel her presence anymore. I think she moved on, and I really hope she found peace. I went to a historical tobacco plantation with my mom and a friend of mine. It was a little summer thing where we wanted to see some neat places in our area that we hadn't seen yet. I saw three apparitions there. Upon getting out of the car in the parking lot, both me and my friend saw a shadow figure looking at us from the wooded area next to the parking lot. After we stared for a second, we both saw it essentially fly away, remaining vertical and upright, as if it were pulled back to wherever it came from. It was really weird. My mom missed it by still gathering her things from the car. Later, we were walking around the old slave quarter's house. The upper floor was condemned, but the stairs were still there. I noticed while the tour guide was talking about it. I looked at the stairs a little harder. I saw the apparition of an older black man in overalls. He was faint, but there. I bowed respectfully at him and continued the tour. As we left the building, I purposefully left Lass so I could tell him goodbye, like you would do for any other person as a house guest. I felt bad for him, still stuck here so long after slavery was abolished. The third apparition was in the master's house. Almost immediately, I picked up on a small girl between ages five and eight in old period clothing complete with a standard bonnet. She followed us throughout the tour. At the last room of the house, the tour guide tells us that this was an addition to the original building and was the room of the master's daughter, who had passed away from illness at about seven or eight years old. It hit me then that this was the little girl's room who'd been following us around. Again, I purposefully left last so that I could tell her thank you for letting me look at her house. Again, like any other house guest would. I found it respectful to do so, and I also felt sorry for the little girl. I then went to the cemetery where her family was buried. I didn't sense anyone else, which made me even sadder, thinking that this little girl was probably stuck in her house, waiting for her family, and somehow didn't move on. The last interesting story was on a different plantation. This one is tucked away behind a major highway and is considered a county park with petting animals. I went there with my husband and our daughter to see the animals in the park. We did, however, also get to look at the exterior of the old houses there. In one of them, I noticed there was a man in butler-like attire passing the window. I wondered if maybe it could have been a worker in period clothes, or a tour or something. 
only to find out that all the workers that day were in a polo shirt. It's a uniform, which is very different. I didn't see anyone else wearing period clothing either. Thus, while I can't confirm, I believe I may have seen an apparition that day as well. Those are my big ones, the ones I can recall right now. I hope others can relate to my experiences and know that they aren't alone. This is about a guardian angel that's been around me since I was about five years old. So this story has about three different accounts, so you're in for a ride. For some background information, my grandma had a twin sister that died from complications of HIV, which she contracted from an unfaithful husband. She died 16 years before I was born in her late 50s. This is all going to make sense later. The first time I saw her was when I was five. I was living in a little town in Massachusetts, about 60 miles off from Boston. My mother was a single mom, businesswoman at the time, so she had an overnight trip to Boston and left my oldest sister, Tiny, in charge. No, her real name isn't Tiny. It's just what we call her, and it's pronounced Dini. We'll fast forward to bedtime, and me and my five other siblings are all tucked in, ready for bed. I'm going to assume it was around nine o'clock. I woke up in the middle of the night from a really bad nightmare, which is still reoccurring to this day. Long story short, it's a dream where I'm taken underwater. A dark, almost pitch black hand that's very demon-like is holding me under until... I eventually die, I guess. So as any five-year-old would, I ran to my mother's room for comfort, not remembering my mother was out of town. Well, to my surprise, there was a lady sitting on my mother's bed, looking at the family album. Usually I would have been confused, but the second I walked into the room, I didn't feel so scared anymore. It felt like I'd walked into a warm hug, but she wasn't even near me. The lady was red-headed and beautiful in a kind of old way. The kind of way where you could just tell that they were popular in high school. The lady saw me in distress, got up from the bed, and picked me up and laid me on my mother's bed. Then she started singing in Spanish, a lullaby I'd never heard of, yet I knew every word to it. By the time I knew it, I was sound asleep. My little brother walked into the room and saw the lady crooning over me, caressing my cheek while I slept. I don't know what possessed him to not care and go back to bed, but he noped out of there, fast. Well, when my mom finally came home, it was about 7 a.m., and she was tired. She saw me in her bed and was surprised. She woke me up and asked me why I wasn't in my bed. And I told her the nice lady let me stay here. She asked me, what lady? And I said, I don't know her name, but she has red hair. And she sang me a song and she was really beautiful. She then looked to her right and saw her album open. Please note, she keeps it on her bedside table, but 
It was already randomly opened to this picture. She looked at the picture and let out a really relieved sigh. She turned around and showed me a picture of the same woman that I saw, asked me if it was her. I said, yeah, and I asked her, who is she? She said that it was my guardian angel, and I just took that and said, okay, I'm five, I didn't care. Now fast forward to when I'm 11. It was my first day of school, and the first time my mother allowed me to walk to the bus stop alone. Well, I got hit by a car, but it wasn't my fault. It was a residential area that had a speed limit of like 15 miles per hour. He was going well over that, and I was really small, so he didn't see me. From the accident, I got three broken ribs, a broken wrist, broken legs, fractured, and a bad concussion because my head was split. I don't remember it, but next thing I knew, I woke up in the hospital to my mom crying, saying she's sorry and that she's happy I'm okay. I had to stay in the hospital for a week for observation because my broken rib was so close to puncturing my lungs. My mom worked a lot, and she had nobody else to watch me, so I spent my nights alone. I got lonely and scared and just had a really bad feeling. So you guessed it, Miss Ma'am came back. I woke up in the middle of the night to her at the edge of my hospital bed, looking at me. At first I was scared. I didn't recognize who the hell she was. But then this warm feeling came back, and I realized I wasn't lonely or worried anymore. Then she hummed that song, and I swear to God, I didn't know the lyrics. I barely speak Spanish. But it's like my soul knew, and before I knew it, I was fluently singing it with her, in Spanish, until I fell asleep. Now this third time, I didn't see her, but it was more like she let me know that she was there. When I was 18, I got married to a boy I thought I loved, and he went to the military. Long story short, he was abusive, he cheated, lied, put his hands on me, and broke me. Not solely because of my marriage, but definitely a big reason, I fell into a really deep depression and had self-harm habits. One night, it all got too much, and I don't know what he said to send me over the edge, but I was in the bathroom looking at a bottle of Oxy, and I started to take a few just to kind of drown out the heavy feeling. After a few minutes, when I took another, then another, eventually, I started to feel that very thin line between an overdose and lucidity. Then, that feeling happened again, and the song started playing in my head, like if I had a radio in there. And I felt okay. I felt like someone was there for me. In a way... I feel like it was a sign that I wasn't meant to go just yet. And with that, I left him a few months later, and I've never looked back. I haven't seen her since. Around the same time, I finally asked my mother about it, and eventually everything started to make some sense. 
she told me about my grand-aunt and how she passed, and that when she was younger, she was a motherly figure to her because her own mother wasn't a very fit parent. She'd often have to seek comfort from her, and when I was about five, I looked like a literal carbon copy of my mother. She theorized that maybe her spirit saw me upset and thinking I'm my mother, wanted to console me. And get this, my mother, when recounting her aunt, was very emotional. So she started talking about some nursery rhyme that she used to sing her. It was the song. My mother sang it word for word in front of me. That's what cemented her story to me as fact. I'm 22 now, and I'm in one of the most loving and healthy relationships I've ever dealt with. I've been sober for four years, and I have a much more healthy state of mind now, in case you're wondering. I know this story was long, but I hope if you take anything from my experience, it's that it gets better. You just have to stick around long enough for life to do its magic. appears we've reached the end of tonight's episode but don't miss a brand new one every friday night and also my other weekly uploads every sunday and wednesday i want to thank those who shared their stories and a big thanks to all of you for listening don't forget to like this video subscribe to the darkest hour and tap the bell so you never miss a thing i sure do appreciate all of it and can't thank you enough a huge shout-out to all of my patrons who I appreciate so very much. Monica L., Zoe Watt, Shelly B., Donald C., Rat Girl, Alicia S., Aaron G., Nikki H., and Mr. Revenant. If you want to support The Darkest Hour in other ways, consider joining my Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash thedarkesthour or... Click the link in the description to learn more. Keep up with me and all things Darkest Hour over on my Instagram, at the Darkest Hour, YT, and follow me on Twitter, Amanda Jane, TDH. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me, Amanda, Darkest Hour, at gmail.com, or on the Darkest Hour subreddit, the Darkest Hour, YT. Stay spooky.